What are some of the challenges that you've experienced or run into during your time in regulatory and dealing with you know, labeling and advertising? Um, having people talk to each other too late in the process is probably one of the biggest um, issues because I think there's a misunderstanding about the impact messaging may have a well, specifically for regulatory, but I think it carries over to other functional areas as well. But for example, understanding um, the message can affect your regulatory strategy. And um, a lot of it crosses over into, and I know a little bit about your process. I haven't um, worked through it. I haven't had that pleasure, but, but understanding your customer, understanding your product, understanding how you fit in to the bigger picture, all of that is important for your message, but it's also really important for your regulatory strategy and for your design for that matter. I mean, it, it's kind of uh, elementary to having a successful product. Hi, and welcome to Message Engineer. We are here today with Marianne Jacqueline, who is the CEO of Traction Consulting, T-R-A-X-N. I am so excited to have you here today. Uh, we have had the chance to work together in a couple of companies in the past. Uh, I know you've been at Guidant, Biotronic. We worked together at Hartport. And now you have your own uh, consulting firm, which is tremendous. So uh, welcome uh, to the message engineer today. Well, thanks for having me. As you've said, it's uh, we've known each other for a long time. So I'm very excited to be your first podcast guest. All right. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Waiting for the sun to come up. <laughs> Had my coffee, had, had some breakfast, and ready to go. All right, fantastic. So, a uh, couple of questions about kind of med tech. I mean, how did you find med tech? How did you get into medical devices? Well, um, I kind of fell into it. I um, I studied physical sciences and in school, so math, chemistry, and physics uh, in in university. And then I moved back home and wanted to find a job. So I can't say it was very um, directed or intentional. I was looking for work. And the first, um, the first job I had was a quality assurance investigator at US Surgical. Um, and so from there, I learned on the job through quality systems, um, starting with complaint investigations, which was an interesting way to start actually to see how things go wrong. Um, and then into internal auditing and from there into regulatory affairs. And my first job in regulatory was actually focused on labeling and advertising. And then I moved into submissions. So um, labeling, advertising, 
which of course grew a lot into other media uh, over the years, um, has always been kind of special to me. I, I love doing marketing stuff, as you know. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my favorite part of regulatory, actually. So that's great. That's great. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I understand not quality systems anymore. Right. Um, I'm so trying tell to tell us a little away. bit about. Exactly. Um, so I started consulting just a couple of years ago and um, being new to the idea, um, you know, took on everything. <laughs> that I thought I could do. Um, and quality systems, I'm moving away from, uh, I can do it. I'm not, um, it doesn't excite me as much as the pre-market regulatory work does. So I prefer helping companies with um, strategy for new products, getting new products on the market um, in the US or Europe. Uh, and I forgot your question. <laughs> Going to rely on editing. That's what editing is for. <laughs> my question is like, what are you doing now with traction? Okay. What are you focusing on now? Um, so I've helped companies with all different types of submissions from pre-subs to um, 510Ks and PMA devices. I'll be working on a de novo pretty soon. So um, primarily FDA focused with pre-market submission work. Great, great, great. All right, so now we'll jump a bit more into messaging specifically. So you said that uh, you started in complaints and that was a great kind of grounding and moved into auditing and then into labeling and advertising. And so, you know, messaging is a big part of labeling and advertising. And so when we, you know, when you hear the word kind of messaging, what does that kind of evoke for you or make you think of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's kind of laying the foundation for all of your communications with all of your stakeholders. Um, you need to be consistent across the board, but you also need to tailor things to your audience. And um, I mean, messaging, in, in my mind, messaging is also what we do with regulatory agencies, right? We need to be consistent, know our product, know different parts of the business. Um, in marketing and sales, you need to talk about those things with your customers in regulatory, we need to talk about those things with our customers, which are the regulatory authorities. And so having a solid foundation that's understood across the company for all the players, but is also um, able to be tailored to the right audience of who's gonna hear it is really, really important. Great. That's that's great. Consistency, tailoring, uh, and you, know, you mentioned kind of across the company, mm -hmm. right? So, right. Uh, with you know, in trying to ensure consistency 
and making sure the message is tailored to the right kind of target group and ensuring that that is kind of carried across the company. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced or run into during your time in regulatory and dealing with you know, labeling and advertising? Um, having people talk to each other too late in the process is probably one of the biggest um, issues because I think there's a misunderstanding about the impact messaging may have, a, well, specifically for regulatory, but I think it carries over to other functional areas as well. But for example, understanding um, the message can affect your regulatory strategy. And um, a lot of it crosses over into and I know a little bit about your process. I haven't um, worked through it. I haven't had that pleasure. But um, but understanding your customer, understanding your product, understanding how you fit in to the bigger picture, all of that is important for your message, but it's also really important for your regulatory strategy and for your design for that matter. I mean, it it's kind of uh, elementary to having a successful product. Can, can you expand a little bit more on why messaging or how messaging is uh, in integral and critical to kind of regulatory strategy and to design? Sure. Um, so messaging often involves claims. So you want to make sure that you're collecting the right data to support the message you want to say and to make sure you can make the claim you want to claim. Um, even something as simple as the description of the device in a regulatory submission can help you later with um, the way you want to position it and the way you want to talk about it in the market. Um, design as well, you can have a really, really cool product that no one wants or needs. And so understanding who your customer is, understanding user needs. I mean, that's um, that's supposed to be one of the first things you do in a design control process, right? Is understand user needs and customer requirements. So um, I think there's a tendency, unfortunately, to look at those things as check boxes or just, just paperwork. Um, but there's a lot of value in going through that process um, and taking it really seriously and really thinking about what are the requirements? What problem are we trying to solve? Who are we talking to? Who are we fixing the problem for? And how are we gonna tell them about it? That all goes hand in hand with how you design the product, what's in the labeling, um, and then what your messaging is, what your future messaging and promotional activities are going to be. But you really need to have a very deep understanding of your product and your market first and build on that in order to create a message. It's all very integral to the rest of it, to the way you design your preclinical or clinical study, for example, or your bench testing. And maybe you don't need to do this endpoint or collect this data for your regulatory submission, but if you just add one 
more piece onto a study that you're already doing, you can have a much stronger message later. Things like that are, um, can make a huge difference in how successful and how um, consistent things are across a company. Great, yeah, great, great points. I mean, it, it, uh, it makes me think of this, you know, the idea that of start with the end in mind, mm -hmm. right? So know at the beginning where you're headed. Right. And I think a lot of times in startups, there's that kind of time, money pressure to kind of hurry up at the beginning. Um, but sometimes that can really catch you on the back, on the back end. Yes. Um, particularly in, in the revenue, in the revenue Absolutely. stream, in the revenue forecast. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, great, great points and really critical to, to pull those things out up front, like very clear user needs and right. translate to design requirements, right? And regulatory, exactly. regulatory submissions and clinical studies. So very cross-functional, right? Messaging is very cross-functional. A lot of people think about it belonging to marketing. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not the way it works. Mm -mm. Uh, so uh, best practices. So just kind of like switch, you know, the flip side of that. Right. What are some of the best practices you've seen uh, in your experience when companies or in your consulting business as relates to kind of doing messaging in the, in the best possible way and particularly like cross-functionally? you've brought that up a few times. Right. I mean, that's, that's key. Cross-functional communication. Um, I, I know people tend to hate meetings, but um, I found the most success has been when you have a cross-functional team of people that are dedicated to the messaging and on later through execution of the message into promotional materials and promotional review. So um, I think it works best when everyone understands the context of what you're talking about. So what doesn't work is if um, a product manager comes to me in regulatory and says, here's a brochure, we need it now, we have to get it printed, right? That, that does not work very well. Um, what does work is um, having an ongoing conversation on a regular basis where there's an understanding of here's our overall message structure, here are the, um, the key messages for this group, we want to make sure they understand this about the product, whether that's like, I don't know, payers. And for the, the administrative staff, they need to know this. And for the surgeon, they need to know this. Um, and understanding what about the product or service is important to which stakeholder or customer whom you're gonna talk to. And then um, having the context of that when you're rolling things out. So if everyone's already on board with the plan, the execution is pretty smooth and that's that works best. Um, again, I know people are averse to more meetings, but I think meetings are the best way to do that, to have like a regular, depending on the cadence, um, weekly 
biweekly meeting where you can discuss things. It's also the easiest way to edit because you can understand why, you know, I added designed to into your claim or why legal wanted you to phrase it a certain way. And then you can work together to come up with the strongest language that is supportable and defensible. Yeah, great, great, great points. Uh, I certainly started, when I first started out in marketing, it was very much that it was paper and we would send it off. You know, we learned who had the most edits first and it would go to that person, let's say, in one company it was legal. Mm -hmm. So it went to legal, this individual, she would mark it up and then it would go to the next individual who didn't necessarily agree with those markups, but had had some more. And then by the time it came back to me, I was like, this doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And then I'd have to go do the tour to talk to people about how and why and explain and and have those individual negotiations one by one. And that takes a lot of time. Yes, um, it does. It does take a lot of time. And it helps to have, um, you know, I, I typically think of uh, marketing, legal, regulatory, maybe clinical, but R&D is also a really important component in the, in the cross-functional mix, depending on when you're talking about it. But, um, you know, the engineers need to know who they're designing for. As we said, it, it's, it's also integrated. It's really hard to, to separate one group out or one part of it out. I've actually seen- They, they all play a role. Sorry, I've actually seen, you know, design changes made after marketing communications meetings because the engineer learned something about what they were, who they were trying to satisfy or, you know, learned a new user need that hadn't been captured earlier, things like that. So the more communication cross-functionally you can have the earlier in the process, there's, there's really very little downside to that. Um, as you said, there's a there's a perception that speed um, is more important than everything. But I think you need to look at time time to market and time on a grander scale, not just the next step. You need to look at the, the end, like you said. <laughs> What's the actual a little bit of the tortoise in the hair? Mm. Yeah, great, yeah, great points. Uh, very, very critical. I've definitely seen too where product development has data and information that may not have been kind of, uh, you know, communicated more broadly mm -hmm. that supports certain aspects and claims that hadn't been considered as well. And so, uh, yeah, I found, yeah, including all those individuals tend to make, uh, yep. save you a lot of time in the long run. Yes. So great. Yeah, great, great point. All very critical people to have involved. So that's a great kind of best practice then to have these kind of regular cross-functional meetings with a set group of individuals who are responsible for kind of understanding the communications and what needs to be said and how and why. Right. And the overall plan, as you said before, right? Like, what's the point? Where are we headed? Yeah. Uh, what's the context? And it can help everyone get on the same page and 
collaborate. Yeah. Right. Yes. Collaboration. Imagine that. And we're all in the, you know, presumably everyone has the same goal. That's, that's usually how it works. Right. And, and a reminder of that also helps like to back way up sometimes and say, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish here can kind of reset everyone on, on the, on the team to Mm. the reminder of what, what we're actually trying to do. Goals. Goals. I like that. That's great. You know, back way up and remind people like why we're at this together, because sometimes there are these kind of artificial, I've seen these kind of artificial walls spring up. Yes. Uh, And you get your, I should say, stereotypical, uh, that's the right word. Kind of stereotypical assumptions. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about what's happening that uh, are not conducive to the end result. Right. 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 Yeah, I've been called sales prevention enough times in my um, in my career <laughs> that um, that's the stereotype to overcome for sure. Um, and that's yeah. Yeah. Abs- I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. You're here. You're here to help. Yep. Here to help. Here to help. There's a different um, risk tolerance, of course. You know, I think, I think that's true. Hmm. Like people who have a lower. Sure. Who are more risk averse are more likely to end up in regulatory than, um, you know, if you're more risk tolerant, you're probably more likely to be in sales and in regulatory or in marketing than in regulatory. Um, but that's, that's why you need different people on your team to balance each other out. And I think having that um, foundation of a common goal and um, understanding that everyone's trying to do the best toward that goal and a mutual respect for what everyone brings to the table I mean, this goes beyond messaging. This goes across the board, right? But it absolutely applies to messaging and creating um, the best product, whether the product's the message or the device or the technology. Yeah, uh, to your point about kind of sales prevention and yeah, it has to be (laughs) about the same goal. It has to be we're after the same thing. It's to hopefully, you know, the goal is to in some way, shape or form, improve patient outcome, right? Yep. Yep. So prevent disease, improve outcome of certain treatments, uh, so on and so forth. So tackle chronic diseases. And I think sometimes we forget. Right. <laughs> it's an important, what you bring up is an important reminder. Mm-hmm. To Maybe when it's devolving a bit to <laughs> take a breath, back up and, okay, why are we here? Let's remember for a minute. Exactly. So great point. Exactly. It's a great point. Help people to kind of cross-functionally, uh, again, on the same page, develop that level of respect and and balance that is critical right yeah you bring up balance and that idea of checks and balances is critical mm-hmm. you know i don't you know as a as a long time marketing person i understand that sometimes there are things that i'd like to say that 
may may end up in a bit of hot water put people in that's not the goal <laughs> that's no. not how we it's not how we help patients that is not how we grow a company and a culture and right so i uh that's not to say i haven't been frustrated sometimes of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a natural part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. We working together, we all come up with a better solution. Right. So, right. right. Yeah. So I've, uh, I read some research years ago in the Harvard Business Review about how teams who are more alike tend to come to a decision faster, but it is a less, uh, what's right? How did they phrase it? It's uh, a less, it's not as a good, it's not the best decision. So mm -hmm. less diverse teams come to it faster, come to decisions faster, but the outcomes are not as good as diverse teams. Right. They take a bit longer, right? There's these checks and balances and there's debate and conversation, but they come out with deci better decisions to kind of stand the test of time. So right. that's right. a yeah, super critical point. All right. So we talked about, are there any unique challenges, kind of just diving a little bit deeper on the messaging, into the messaging? Mm -hmm. Startups, are there any unique considerations that you've seen around messaging for startups uh, that we should be thinking about? That's a good question. Um, I think recognizing what you're up against and, um, you know, if you're playing with the big boys um, or the, you know, the well-established um, incumbents, right? Is that the word you use? Incumbents like that are well-established, have tons of resources at their disposal, have um, an established presence in the market, you need to use different ways to get your message across because you don't have the same tools. It doesn't mean you can't compete. It means you need to compete in a way that leverages your strengths, which can often be um, responsiveness, being nimble, um agile but that only works well if you're working together again i mean i, I have to come back to that but um but again you if everyone's on the same page and understands the context you can respond that much faster too to a changing situation and you can respond faster than the big the big competitors you might be up against um, the other thing with startups is often there's a lack of experience. And um, I think it's another part of the diversity balance that's important is that it's really great to have fresh eyes on things and that's part of the creativity. And it's important to balance that with people with experience who can talk about pitfalls or minefields or things to avoid. Um, and so that's another another consideration. Um, I'm trying to think if there's an. That's all I can. Other moment. 
Are there any unique messaging considerations uh, to for startups versus, you know, if you're at one of these kind of billion dollar incumbents? Mm -hmm. um, messaging. I think you might have less time. So your message needs to be striking and attention grabbing um, right away because you don't have the brand recognition yet, right? So um, you need to get people's attention. And um, that's funny to hear coming from a regulatory person, but, um, but you need to stand out somehow. And I think that is a really important part of creating the messaging framework and what you're trying to do. Um, the other thing is I think the risk the risk profile or the risk environment changes with the growth of the company as well, where um, in some ways the large companies can afford to take more risk because they have the resources to deal with things if it goes wrong. Um, and that that's definitely part of, part of the consideration when you're thinking about how much risk you can take. Um, on the other hand, when you're not on anyone's radar yet, you might have be able to tolerate a little more risk. So it, it depends on where your where your audience is, who's paying attention, and I think a recognition that those things are dynamic. And so that's also going back to the communication with startups in particular, things can change really fast in the way you are positioned in the market and where you are in your growth trajectory. And so along with that growth, your risk tolerance is going to change. And so something that may have been okay to say at the initial launch may not be okay to say a year into it or vice versa. Um, and so it's another part of understanding the big picture and the different points of view of the people on your team. I'm sorry, I feel like a broken record here with this cross-functional <laughs> communication. I'm a big fan of cross-functional communication. You're not, you're not a broken record. I think <laughs> that it is. Uh, it's too it's too easy for departments uh, to get in silos, and I think when we're in particular these last few few years and being very more dispersed and more remote, uh, I think that that you know depending upon how things are pursued within the company or culturally are set up culturally within the company, people can start. <laughs> focusing in their silos. And I think that becomes very detrimental to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the ongoing success of the company. And the, as you keep pointing out the goals, right? Right. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot easier to talk amongst your kind of brethren, right? And complain and squawk. Yep. Than it is to like go reach, reach out across the aisle and have a real conversation and try to figure it out. Yep. Right. That takes some guts and, some humility and that's true. Not the easiest thing always to do. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think that 
Yeah. The smaller the company is, more critical that is. Yes. And I love, I love the idea you brought up of this dynamic nature mm-hmm. of messaging and how things can shift. Yeah. Right. Because not, not only within the company, right. We think about things like, oh, we might get a new indication or you might have some new data uh, or we may open a new geography. Right. Right. Uh, but more broadly, I think that also happens when you think about laws, people often think about laws as these immutable rules. Um, but there is the reason why there are courts and judges and multiple levels of appeal and Exactly. They're, they're not immutable and they're, they change and the interpretation of them change. And so I've, I've also seen, uh, I've also experienced that where people come and say, well, we did say that this is all right, but it appears that's now being interpreted in a different way by XYZ external, you know, agency. And therefore, we need to kind of rethink this a little bit. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's really critical to kind of have that ongoing conversation about what is and isn't okay. And exactly, yeah, work through that always, together as I mean, a group. There's always new information um, coming in um, from all different parts of the company, um, internal, external, different agencies, mm-hmm. warning letters court cases, whatever that you can learn from. And, um, and also there's, you know, it used to be called uh, CGMP, current good manufacturing practices. But the reason the current was in there was exactly that because what's currently considered best practice, what's the current interpretation, what's the it, it goes to the same thing. It's a, it's a dynamic environment and that needs to be recognized and, and be ready to change. Mm-hmm. The only constant. Yeah, so working cross-functionally, what's that? Change is the only constant, right? <laughs> there is no doubt about that. And I think that all that learn, all that information coming in, right? It doesn't, people talk about, well, it's information, but is it, or is it, it's data, but it's not knowledge yet, right? And I think, you know, you, you bring that up, that cross, you know, the cross-functional group and the dynamic nature of the agencies and the environment in which we work, um, it becomes critical to hear those interpretations from multiple individuals in multiple fields so that we can collaborate on kind of the best outcome. Right, right. The best output as relates to messaging. So uh, last three questions. Uh, If you're giving some advice to someone today who was looking to get into uh, medical device, med tech, digital health, regulatory, what would you tell them? Oh. The community is very helpful and willing to teach new people. That's um, something, a lesson I keep learning over and over, but um, 
people are very generous with their time and knowledge if you're respectful of their time and knowledge. And if you're trying to learn something new, you know, in regulatory in particular, there's, uh, there's RAPS, the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society, and um, they are, their educational resources are really good. They can be expensive if it's new for you and if your company can't, isn't supporting it. Um, <clears throat> but it's something that I think is a really great investment if you make an investment of your time to use all of the resources it offers. Um, I think getting into regulatory is a lot more creative than people may think. Um, there's a lot of room for creativity because things are changing, because it's dynamic, because there's interpretation, um, especially with digital health, things are changing so fast. Um, and the regulatory framework is trying to recognize how fast things can change. And I think FDA is trying really hard and um, being relatively successful for an agency to recognize how dynamic it is and work with the industry to support that type of development and make those products available on the market. Those are the first things. I That's think. great. <laughs> yeah, great. That's great advice. That's great advice. Uh, I love the idea of the, the ability to be creative within regulatory, which is not, uh, a, it's not exactly an adjective, not a word. <laughs> it's not, creativity is not a word often associated with regulatory. Mm -mm. So I, I love that idea that there is still a lot of opportunity uh, for creativity in the regulatory space. Um, and uh, the advice to look to RAPS is a really, the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society is a really terrific resource mm -hmm. for uh, information and knowledge and networking. Right. That was the first thing you said. That was, that's a brilliant comment. Networking is, is relationships key. are um, LinkedIn as well. Um, I started following mm -hmm. people I didn't know on LinkedIn who posted really good content. Um, and I learn, I learn a lot that way. And then, you know, you can, as I said, people, in my experience, people are very generous, um, as long as you're respectful of their time. Um, people, a lot of people who are in med tech are really in it because they want to make a difference for patients. And however far removed um, filling out a checklist or something may feel, that's still at the at the heart of a lot of people who are in this business. And um, and so I find people are very willing to help one another to to reach those those broader goals. That's yeah, that's great. Great advice. Great advice. So I'm going to flip it over. And what advice would you give to someone wanting to get into kind of med tech, med device, digital health, telehealth marketing mm. from your perspective? From my perspective, <laughs> um, getting into it, I would say marketing is 
done well, um, marketing is, should be driving the business. And so if you're getting into it, you need to understand the business and you need to learn all aspects of the business and um, become um, broadly aware. So you need to understand things from, yes, of course, your customer is probably the most thing. Understand your customer, understand the market. Um, but then internally to be successful within your company, you need to understand why regulatory needs to know something early or why um, why it takes logistics this much time to get the product out the door or just have some kind of level of understanding of how different parts of the organization work um, because you're gonna need all of them to help you be successful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with that. That's a, those are great, great points. Great points. Make sure you understand kind of the why behind the different departments, mm -hmm. but make sure to start with the customer yep. and the market and understand that best. So that's great advice for marketing. So last question, said there were three. Uh, how, do, how, do we, how do people find you if they want to talk to you? Ah. Uh, best way is to find me on LinkedIn, um, Marianne Jacqueline, and uh, you can have all my contact information there. Uh, you can reach me at mjacqueline at tractionconsulting.com. And again, traction is T-R-A-X-N. And that's the best way to find me. Fantastic. Well, it has been a pleasure and a joy speaking with you today. Thank you so much for taking time out uh, to have this conversation and love all your commentary about cross-functional and the customer and uh, how we need to keep reaching back for that common goal to orient everyone uh, to work together in a dynamic environment and move forward. So. Thank you again today, and uh, we hope to have you again on Thank The you. Message Engineer. Thank you. All right, bye for now. Bye. Yep, bye-bye.